John chapter 6 and verses 30 through 33. Follow along with me. I hope you brought your copy of God's Word and and you can follow along with me as I read from mine. Verse 30 in John chapter 6. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Let's pray. Father, we thank You. We praise You. We honor You and glorify You this morning for the bread of heaven that You gave. The bread of heaven that comes to give life to the world. Oh, Father, I pray that You would help us to be a people who are constantly grateful for Your goodness and grace and mercy through Jesus Christ that we might have the bread of heaven. That we might be fed eternally, spiritually. Lord, You know just what we need this morning. You know just what we need at all times. And God, I pray that You would help us to yield ourselves before Your instructing Spirit this morning, that Your Word would challenge and encourage us, and that Your Spirit would take Your Word and tend to our souls today for our good and Your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Verses 30-33 through 33 I just read. I want you to remember, these are some of the same people who who've come looking for Jesus after the miracle that they witnessed when He fed the huge crowd. Remember, the just a few loaves and a couple of fish. And Jesus fed, it says, 5,000 men. And, and we know from the Gospels that there are also women and children in addition to those 5,000 men. So this is a huge, enormous crowd. We've seen so far that these people had misplaced affections. They also had a faulty belief Back in verses 26 and 27, we see Jesus exposes their misplaced affections when He says this. Look at verses 26 and 27 again. Truly, truly, in other words, hey, this is important. Pay attention. It's like when I say to my kid, listen up. Right? Listen. Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking Me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do you see the misplaced affections? They're not coming to Him because they see Him as God in human flesh. They're coming because they got a free meal. Do not labor, verse 27, do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on Him, God the Father has set His seal. So He very pointedly challenges their misplaced affections. And then in verses 28 and 29, we see their faulty belief. 
it was this belief that they could, and many have this faulty belief, and maybe maybe you had this faulty belief at one time, or maybe you still have this idea that you can do something to earn God's approval. Jesus confronts that, that mistake also. Verses 28 and 29, he, he challenged their, their faulty belief that they just might be able to do some work to earn God's approval. And, and what was it that Jesus said they must do? There really wasn't something they must do. It was something they must believe. Verse 29, Jesus answered them, this is the work of God. Because they, they want to know what, what work of God. He said, this is the work of God. That you believe in Him whom He has sent. Believe in His Son, Jesus Christ. So they needed their faulty beliefs challenged. That you can't do anything to earn God's approval. And what you must do is believe in His Son. Jesus Christ. Believe in, in Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God. Come to give Himself as a ransom for your soul. Believe and live because He gives eternal life. Right? Verse 27. He gives eternal life. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. If you believe. Now we come to verses 30 through 33 and we find that these people also have unrealistic demands. Unrealistic demands they have. We can see their unrealistic demands as we come to these verses and see the people coming to him and saying, in effect, they're saying, you, you've got to prove yourself to us. You've got to prove yourself to us. You know, I, I, I see what they're saying there and I'm thinking to myself, hadn't, hadn't Jesus just told them what God expected of them? Believe. Believe. Have faith. God the Father expects you to believe in God the Son. And they, in effect, say in response, oh, no, 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 no. If we're going to believe, you've got to show us some sign. Yeah, that's the ticket. Give us a sign, right? Show us. Give us some proof. Verse 30, right? So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we can see and believe you? What work do you perform? That is an unrealistic demand. Now you might wonder why. Why is that an unrealistic demand? Because they, they think Jesus must earn their allegiance. They think Jesus must prove Himself to them to earn their dedication, their allegiance, their trust, their belief. But did they really need more proof of who He is? God in human flesh? God incarnate? Did they really need more proof? Remember how we started this morning reminding ourselves of the feeding of the huge crowd? They were there, right? They were. They had proof. Wasn't the miracle of that feeding of that huge crowd with those five small loaves and two fish proof enough? And if they were paying attention, they would have known of another miracle. Remember, we pointed to it a few weeks ago when, when they looked around and was like, where's Jesus? We know we saw Him send off His disciples and He went that way and they went that way. And now, 
when they find them, they're all together again, and they can't, you know, see that. There's also a miraculous hand of God at work. Well, I think the feeding of the 5,000 should have been enough. I mean, it shouldn't have been, right? It should have been. The problem is that, that the unbelieving heart is never satisfied. Have you ever met someone like that? They just do not believe. And you can talk until you're blue in the face to try to give them every helpful understanding of God's Word. You can point to the truth and give them things to read and they disbelieve and disbelieve and disbelieve and there's just never enough proof for the heart that's unbelieving. In fact, Luke chapter 16, verse 31 tells us that when it, uh, when it says this, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. You want proof? They won't be, they won't be convinced even if somebody rises from the dead. And we know that that even happened. Jesus did rise from the dead, didn't he? Someone did rise from the dead. And there were those who mocked Jesus as he hung on the cross. Remember what they said to him? Take yourself down from the cross. Well, he didn't take himself down the, down from the cross, but he did something far better. He, he rose from the dead. And those who mocked him, instead of believing when he rose from the dead, they tried to cover it up. They tried to cover up the fact that he rose from the dead. You see, the problem is that the unbelieving heart is never satisfied. The people here in John 6 ask Jesus how he'll prove himself to them. How are you going to prove yourself? How are you going to show yourself to be the real deal? Now, what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Well, that points back to their faulty beliefs, doesn't it? Remember their faulty beliefs that Jesus uncovered earlier? Why? Why did they think that Jesus must perform some sign for them? Well, verse 31 shows what they were thinking. Look at verse 31. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. You see, they're still thinking about their stomachs, aren't they? <laughs> they're still thinking about their physical needs. And boy, we saw, you know, you fed the 5,000 plus and we just want more of that, only only we want an unending supply of that. See, they're still thinking about their material needs, their stomachs. Jesus had already made it very clear that their most pressing need wasn't food that perishes, but they needed food that endures to eternal life. You know what eternal food? You know what eternal food is? We don't know what eternal food is unless we know it through Christ, do we? See, eternal food that God gives is the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's ours. It's, it's spiritual. It's eternal. The trouble is, they think Jesus' signs, you know, those miracles that He's performing, they think that those things are for their own benefit, for their own physical, material benefit. Well, let me ask you this. Think about this carefully. Are those signs that Jesus performed, those miracles, are those, are those ultimately for their physical benefit? Stop and think about this for a moment. How many do you suppose were healed and then later died? 
How many of those that Jesus healed and gave sight to the blind and, and gave legs to the lame, right? How many of those do you suppose were healed and later lost their life because they eventually died? 100%, right? So was the miracle, was the sign for their physical benefit or was it for some other reason? Some other reason, right? Listen, those signs couldn't have been primarily for their physical benefit. Those signs, the miracles that Jesus performed, were actually to serve for their eternal benefit and ours. You see, to serve for their spiritual benefit, Jesus did signs and miracles. Not their, yes, short term, they benefited physically many. But these signs, these miracles were given so that they would believe in Jesus. That they would see a sign and say, this has to be God in human flesh. I believe. They were given so that they would believe in Jesus and have eternal life. That's just what John says in chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. Remember that passage we've come back to so many times here in our study in John's Gospel, John chapter 20 and verses 30 and 31. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. You see, they weren't thinking about the manna they knew of from the Old Testament Scriptures. They were only thinking about their material needs and not their spiritual needs, and they wanted Jesus to give them an endless supply of manna. They wanted an endless supply of bread. It was, in fact, commonly taught by their Jewish religious leaders that the Messiah, when he came, would actually give them an unending supply of food from heaven, food from the skies. Kind of like they thought, kind of like Moses had done for 40 years when the nation of Israel wandered in the wilderness. You see, they, they, they thought that that was Moses doing They misunderstood even that which they claimed to have known from their Old Testament fathers. The manna was not given by Moses. Who gave the manna? God gave the manna, didn't didn't He? What was Moses? Moses was God's messenger boy, right? And it's a privilege, I'll tell you what, it's a privilege to be God's messenger. So don't, don't take that lightly, but he was God's messenger, and that's all he was. One to tell the Israelites about God. The manna was not given by Moses. The manna was given by God. They should have understood that. They should have understood that. They should have known that and believed. That's why Jesus challenges their unrealistic demands in verse 32. Look at verse 32 again. Jesus said to them, Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. So Jesus gives another direct challenge to their demands. You think 
that my Father in heaven, you think that my Father in heaven is not involved and that Moses was the one who gave your father's bread from heaven? It was not Moses, it was it was God the Father in heaven. And by the way, that manna was nothing in comparison to the true bread from heaven. You think manna that falls to the ground from the skies for 40 years is something? That is nothing. They seem to know something about the Old Testament Scriptures, but they totally miss the point. The manna wasn't about Moses. It was about God. It was about His Ultimate provision through His Son, Jesus Christ, the true bread. Look at verse 33. For the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus didn't come to gain our approval. He didn't come and do signs so that we might gain his approval. He might gain our approval. He didn't come and do miracles that we might be impressed and, and say, "Okay, you're okay now. We'll now we'll believe." Jesus came to give life. Jesus came to be the sacrifice. Jesus came to be the Lamb of God, the perfect and spotless, sinless Lamb of God. the only one who could be the acceptable sacrifice for our sins. That's Jesus. Jesus rejects their claim. He rejects our claim also that if He just do something more, then we'll believe. Jesus doesn't need to do anything more. You know, Jesus didn't really need to do anything more than for their faith. They could have looked at the signs that he performed. They should have said, this is God in human flesh. We must believe. And yet they had unbelieving hearts. They had unrealistic demands. And Jesus rejects those claims that if he just do something more, then we'll believe. Jesus says to those people that day, and you need to hear him saying to us this day, You don't need more signs. You need to have faith. You can't do anything to earn God's approval. Only believe in the bread of God. Believe in the One who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Only believe. 